this episode of The Interface, I speak with Jonathan Plapper, Business Development Manager for Amphenol Automotive based out of Germany. Jonathan has been with the company for one year, and we talk about his role as the Group Business Development Manager and what it's like to work in mergers and acquisitions. We talk about the challenges of learning the Amphenol Automotive businesses, products, and technologies during the COVID pandemic, and his excitement to get out and see more of the market. We talk about experiencing college life while studying abroad in Canada. We talk about working for a consultant firm before joining Amphenol. And together, we agonize over his Desert Island album, book, and movie selections. This is The Interface. Thank you for joining me from, you're in Germany, correct? That's right, yeah. I'm based in Heilbronn, which is near Stuttgart. And uh, I think it was um, the location where Amphenol did its first acquisition in Germany back in 1960s. So uh, that's why we still have a lot of operation and a lot of management and administrative functions here in Heilbronn. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Um, it's a good point because we haven't had many people on from that location. We've had a few before, but Heilbronn is a is a large Amphenol presence there. So can you just talk about a little bit about what uh, we have as far as Amphenol is concerned in Heilbronn, Germany? Yeah, sure. So Heilbronn is um, basically home to uh, two Amphenol groups. So we have the automotive group headquarter here in Heilbronn. We have one of our divisions here in Heilbronn, Amphenol Tuchel Electronics. And then we have also uh, the management of Amphenol Industrial uh, Division here. That originated all from this one acquisition. And before Amphenol was organized along those market structures, it was basically one company selling connector products to all markets from from this location. Um, But now we are directly next to each other. We have the automotive part, we have the industrial part. So it's it's great to be in touch also with the colleagues from the other groups. Do you see a lot of the other, do you see both groups and do you get to work with them quite often? When it comes to day-to-day work, my colleagues, they work with them closer. Myself, not so much, but uh, I see them, um, yeah, in, in the office, for example. So uh, I walk across their offices. Um, they're on the ground floor and first floor. I go up to the second floor. So um, I pass by and say hi. <laughs> But um, when it comes to working um, together, it's, at least for myself, it's more restricted to special occasions. For mm-hmm. example, in one and a half month, we have the battery show in Stuttgart, and there we have a shared booth, so we work together on this. So it's more dependent on those occasions. You work for the automotive part, correct? That's correct, yeah. So tell me what you do and what your role is for the Amphenol Automotive Group uh, in Heilbrunn. So for the automotive group, I'm directly in on the group level. So I'm not with one of our divisions specifically, but on the group level. And there I work for uh, Dieter, our group uh, manager, directly. And my main and most important job is to look for companies that would make uh, a great addition to the group and uh, where we could grow through an acquisition. What is that process like? I mean, I've never been a part of it personally. Uh, I mean, a lot of us that have worked for Amphenol, um, we've, we all know uh, either directly or indirectly, either divisions or a number of people that work at divisions that were at one point part of a, a merger or acquisition by Amphenol. But coming from your perspective, where you're actively looking to expand the the Amphenol uh, Corporation with either a merger or acquisition. 
What what is that like for you being a part of that as as part of your day to day basis? Describe that a little bit for us. Yeah, so I'm I'm very early in the whole process. So um, you could say it's more deal sourcing where I'm working. So I'm very close to, of course, our divisions. I'm very close to our technical people, salespeople, and our people that are in the market in general. I'm closely following what they're doing, what the market's doing, the technology trends, and so on, just to see uh, what's what's going on in general. And from this perspective. We identify companies around us and look at companies around us, and we can just and we just try to see how we could work together with them. And from from this perspective, it's really great that we that we can offer a whole bunch of different possibilities for cooperation and for working together. So that's also why my job title is not only M and A but also business development. Sure, because the companies we talk to, we Maybe they, uh, the shareholders, they don't want to sell, but still we end up having um, a business relationship with them. Right. So I'm, I'm very early in this process, um, working together with our technical teams, and we're uh, looking at all those companies. With some companies, we already work together with some not yet, and um, just trying to find out more what their capabilities are, and what the key peoples are. Then in, in a second step, of course, if we don't know the company, yet just getting yeah just some introduction with the management with the shareholders and just starting the conversation from a very very uh, early point of view did you work quite a bit with the various Amphenol divisions in the automotive group to learn what they were about and to see what technologies they were working on so how you can then incorporate that knowledge into your day-to-day work, whether it be the business development portion or the M&A portion? I mean, how much did you have to do to learn? Because I know you've only been here about a year or so. So what's the the first year's experience been like so far, learning all of that? Because I'm sure it's, you know, like I've said with other people, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. The learning curve was steep, um, definitely, especially for me, because uh, I'm actually from the M&A part of the business. Right. And I have a, f- a background in finance and business business administration, but not on the technical side. Right. So I had to learn a lot about what all the divisions are doing, what products they have, uh, just as a matter of fact, but then also understanding what the USP is basically, what makes them special, mm-hmm. and how that fits in with, with the general market and the landscape of companies that is out there. So um, I, yeah, I'm still learning, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot of time to completely understand that. But uh, as of now, I, have, I think I have a good overview. I started uh, basically in a COVID time. So <laughs> when I started, I was, we weren't able to visit the companies, but we uh, had a lot of video calls like we do now. This also made it quite efficient to get to know a lot of people in a very short period of time. But now it's also great to be able to have more personal interaction and visit the first companies. And um, it's great to personally meet a lot of people with whom I've worked for yeah a couple of months now, talk to and see through video quite often, but not met personally yet. Yeah. Coming to Amphenol too, just recently, like you said, during COVID times, only been here you know about a year or so. How much did you know about the Amphenol culture when you came here? 
as far as it being a very entrepreneurial company. Each of the divisions and the GMs really run themselves with very little, if any, you know, intervention on the corporate level. So they can kind of do their own things, but they do come together as a group when collaboration is definitely needed. But being a group person like yourself and doing business development and doing M&A, was that kind of a shock to you or have you now like come to really appreciate it and see that as a huge benefit as you go about your business? In the beginning, uh, when I started to talk to Dieter and we started the process with yeah, basically joining Amphenol, before that, I didn't knew how Amphenol was structured. Yeah, uh, I was in touch with one of the Amphenol M&A guys, with Vincent, before that, but I was still a sell-side M&A advisor. And we tried to sell a business to Amphenol in this regard. So I've been in touch with Amphenol before, but I didn't know about the, the actual structure. Yeah. But uh, then when our conversation started, this was actually um, a major point for me that sold me to uh, join Amphenol. That is, uh, that it's really decentralized and has most important decisions made on the level of the general managers of the level of the divisions, a very lead structure and so that, that that was really fascinating to me and what really made yeah the, the biggest was the most important point for me to to join Amphenol uh, besides of course continuing to work in M&A but moving closer to automotive markets to the products itself this structure was really important for me yeah it's it's uh, definitely good to um, have some experience working in in, in smaller teams and uh, with yeah, very short and quick decision-making processes, uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad to see that that was actually something that you thought was a huge reason why you were going to come to Amphenol. I'll ask you to put your business development hat on here for just a second now. You've been here a year. I know it's been tough to, to meet with people face-to-face and see all the different divisions. When you speak to people now in the business development role about Amphenol Automotive, you know, what are the things that you really stress with potential customers and potential engineers and potential program managers when it comes to working with Amphenol Automotive? Maybe, maybe making a step back from this position, my business development role is not really completely on the front lines most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, it's more supporting from the group level um, what our division sales teams and our division business development people are doing. Okay. So, it's uh, most often I'm not directly the first who is in touch with the customer, like really a sales role with business development, but more supporting our people on the front lines for them to get the information that they need as fast as possible, uh, making the information flow within the group better. So at the moment, for example, we are facilitating that with group efforts. And as you know, um, normally we are uh, division-based, we're mm-hmm. decentralized. Um, but then at the same time, we still want to have uh, the best from the whole group. Right. And uh, that that's what we're supporting. That's what I'm supporting. And that's more my role in business development compared to when we are on the uh, front line with the customer. All right. You got me. See, I was ex- I was in- assuming the traditional business development role where you're out not necessarily yeah. knocking on doors, but working with customers at that front end. But I, I totally understand the concept. So it's really business development within the Amphenol Automotive Group versus with the customer, uh, the customers that you guys are working with, correct? Yeah, that's correct. But um, I think I'm moving a little bit closer and closer to the direction of the customer. Yeah. Uh, after I learned a lot about the products and so on, 
I think it's a gradual process, but I started more from the M&A side, now supporting also a lot of our divisions. And in this process, learning a lot about the products. And um, I'll be part of the battery show. So uh, there I'll be on the front line too, after, after uh, also being responsible for supporting the development of our uh, e-mobility strategy. Uh, I learned a lot there and a lot about our products, but also the market needs. And I, so I'm gradually moving in the direction of being able to do the pitch with our customers, basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, those are always fun, right? I mean, if you've had yeah, experience absolutely. at the shows, have you been to any shows yet as a part of Amphenol Automotive? I know we're really just start, starting to get back into that, but have you been a part of that yet or you're about to be? Uh, I'm about to be, but that's also due to everything being canceled due to COVID. Right. So uh, we had the first shows in the US, but uh, during that time, uh, it wasn't that easy to travel. Sure. And so... Our colleagues from the U.S. handled that directly. Also, in, in China, we can't go to China. And also in Europe, it was all canceled. So no chance yet, but I'm looking forward to it. No, it should be fun. I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are afterwards. Because I know we're doing a lot of shows here in the U.S. Um, I know we've just, uh, we're wrapping up, I think, today, a big uh, the big Army show that's in Washington, D.C. for AUSA. Um, things are certainly opening up and talking to my colleagues that have been at the show, there's certainly good attendance there. Um, and customers are really engaging. I think people have missed it. I think people have missed talking to one another face to face. And for you, it'd be great just because you haven't had that at all yet in this particular role. So to be able to see that and hear and just kind of observe, you know, everything that's going on in the marketplace, I think will be hugely beneficial to your role moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also very important for the M&A part. Yeah. Because especially uh, like in my position where we're very early in the deal sourcing part, it's a lot about the relationship building and really getting to know each other on a high level without talking too much about details yet and just building the trust in the relationship. And I think it was uh, due to COVID, everyone got used to doing business through video calls and so on. Yeah. So th that, of course, also made my life easier. But still, um, at some point, we just have to visit people, get in touch, yeah. see each other face to face and to, to discuss those yeah, things. And with vaccination rates picking up somewhere in, in the summer, we were able to do the first company visits also. But yeah, it's it. It has been a little bit slow on this end when it comes to the personal relationships, which are important. Yeah, but but still, um, it's made time and possibilities also to do a lot of general research. Um, so we kind of filled those gaps on this end. Well, we'll stop with the, the work stuff currently right now. We'll back up just a bit, okay? Go back to young Jonathan. I'm sure you grew, you grew up, I'm assuming, in Germany, correct? That's correct, yeah. Where, where, in, where in Germany did you grow up? Actually, I grew up close to Heilbronn. Oh, okay. Not far away. Yeah. 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 So that's a, a little bit of coincidence. <laughs> that is also a very, yeah, a very important location for Amphenol. Mm -hmm. uh, but I grew up close to Heilbronn. I went to elementary school uh, close to Heilbronn and then to high school uh, within Heilbronn, traveling there by uh, train. So that it's actually where I grew up. So you're from that area. What did uh, yeah. you? What were you interested in school? You like into sports or anything like that? 
Concerning sports, I wasn't so much into soccer as you might have uh, guessed, <laughs> being from Germany, but uh, more into uh, kind of, let's say, action sports, mountain biking. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's it's a mountain region here, although we're close to the Alps, kind of. But uh, we have a lot a lot of smaller hills. We have we're a vine region, so there's vineyards, and then on top of the hills there's the forests and so on. So it's really great for mountain biking. And I did that. And in the winter, of course, uh, I love to go snowboarding, still do. So you graduated from high school after you took the train there every day. That must have been fun. Um, <laughs> where did you go to university? So I went to university close to Berlin in the city of Magdeburg. It's in the, in the former east of Germany. It was great there. It was relatively modern university, not as large as some of the other universities, so great a great contact to professors. And I started to study economics at mm -hmm. first. Why? And why economics? Why just out of curiosity. Yeah. Well, so that was actually during the time it was a tough decision for me. Um, I thought about studying law. And yeah, I was just interested in, in a lot of stuff. So it wasn't like I was very focused on one thing, and mm. which I always knew, but I was just looking around and uh, reading a lot of what's going on around the world. And uh, I wanted to study something with a connection to that that still has yeah, a very broad and very general approach. Uh, so I ended up with economics and never regretted that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, then during the more senior years, during my undergrad studies, uh, I went to University of Western Ontario in, in Canada mm. for, for a year, for, so for two terms, basically. And there I focused a little bit on finance and yeah, and stick with it because I always thought that all the economic stuff is really great and really interesting. But at some point, I wanted to also have the skills to uh, work for a company, private company mm -hmm. and have skills that will benefit also this company, except only doing like the market and, and the research part. So you went to Canada for a year. That must be one of the reasons why your English is so good. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to... I'm always trying to keep the, the skills alive. Yeah. <laughs> and now, and that's a great part within Amphenol, being able to talk and communicate in English a lot. Because my, my time in Canada now, it's um, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what, was that, what was that like for you? I mean, had you ever been to uh, the U.S. or Canada prior to that? Or was that your first time uh, in North America? It was the first time in North America. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I visited Jamaica and the Dominican Republic. <laughs> yeah, not with quite my parents the same. just for a vacation. <laughs> yeah. So I crossed, I crossed yeah. the Atlantic before. Sure, <laughs> but I, uh, I never stayed in North America. Before. How did, how did you like your time in Western Ontario? Which basically, you know, what uh, Toronto would probably be the, the, the closest major city. Is that correct? Jeez, I should probably. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's it's fine. So it's in London. London, Ontario. Oh, yeah, yeah. And London yeah. Uh, is right between uh, Toronto and Detroit. Yeah. So um, I visit Toronto, of course, but also Detroit and Chicago. So uh, I visit a lot of uh, cities in the region. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. So it was really great to be able to study at a large North American university with, with a large campus and just to also experience this kind of culture. Mm -hmm. Because in Germany, I think you have also the large universities, but people still organize a lot in, 
in private, not around the university. Mm-hmm. And in North America, you really have the campus culture. And that's great for an exchange student. So I joined a couple of university clubs. For example, there was uh, the outdoor club, which yeah. organized outdoor trips with uh, local guides that also studied at the university. They all organized that. And so it, it was a great experience personally, but also from the academic side, as I've said, I had really great professors. So one professor, um, he was coming over from the University of Chicago and uh, joined Western University to build the finance department. So um, it was really a great time also from an academic perspective. And then once you were done with your um, undergraduate work, um, what did you do for your first job? So I did some internships in uh, consulting businesses, mm-hmm. always more smaller, more smaller, medium-sized firms. I always thought that it's great to be really close to everything, close to the decision makers. And then after I graduated, I was still working at the university for another year as a research and teaching assistant, mm-hmm. and then joined a consulting firm in Stuttgart, who, uh, or which is specialized on restructuring. So companies that are not really doing well, it's mostly driven by by the banks then that they undergo some restructuring with external uh, consultants. So that's what we did. But we also had a large corporate finance uh, practice where we did all kinds of corporate finance things. So Mm -hmm. we advised companies on actual uh, finance questions like how they could structure financing an acquisition or financing a large investments through equity and debt, um, but also doing M&A on the buy side, buy side advisory. Most, most of the time when it was a little bit complicated, also complicated from a finance perspective. So when they wanted to buy something, but it wasn't easy to get the funds to do so for them. Mm-hmm. But then also the, I would say, a classic sell side M&A processes is what I um, specialized in finally. We sold a lot of businesses from the German um, Mittelstand, so the typical uh, medium-sized businesses around Stuttgart, from automotive industry, um, mechanical engineering, uh, those kind of businesses. And um, uh, that was a great experience. Also great because we were very close to the shareholders, to the decision makers, but then also, of course, sold those businesses internationally. So the, the firms we sold were mostly from the region, but of course, investor interest was global. So uh, we also sold those firms globally. Being part of a, a, a consultant firm like that is, you get to touch a lot of different things, right? You get to work with a lot of different businesses, uh, but it's the, the nature of the relationship is it's temporary. It's not permanent. Did you like that part of it or were you looking for something where... Um, you could be a part of the actual business like you ended up being with Amphenol. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that has really broadened my horizon, I would say. Yeah, sure. I had a little bit of experience from the restructuring side of the business because there you uh, really go into the firm, uh, you really analyze it deeply, and then you have to propose a concept for restructuring, which is then hopefully signed off by the banks. And then you have, most of the time, you're also mandated to um, do the actual work. So to not only propose a concept, but you're also responsible to uh, execute and follow through and do the reporting then. So there I was a little bit, those, those projects are longer, have been longer term and we were closer to the actual management. And that 
gave me also, I think, valuable perspective. But of course, as you say now, it's really great to see and be part of a very a large and very successful organization and mm-hmm. on, still an entrepreneurial organization uh, that is well run, well managed. And also during that time of constant disruptions with COVID now with supply chains, it's just a very interesting and great opportunity for me to also uh, see how um, everyone reacts and how we work together and how we uh, solve those problems in a quick and efficient manner uh, just to handle what's going on. That's, of course, on a different level level than what you do. Um, just being a consultant, there you have multiple projects at the same time, so you have to allocate your time. And um, now to fully concentrate that uh, on that is it's really a great opportunity and a lot of fun also. Sure. No, I, I can understand, you know, being a consultant, you certainly get broad experience, right? You're going to work with a, a number of different businesses and how they operate and see uh, examples of what works and what doesn't work. And that's largely why you're there. But at some point that relationship ends. And so you don't really get to see it all the way through potentially like you would being a part of Amphenol now. So uh, um, I could see why you know, at some point you want to go, no, you know what? I think I found this company that really is something that fits my likes and needs uh, as as a uh, as a person looking to expand on his career. So I'm happy for you in, in the fact that you know now it's like, okay, you've been here a year. You're really just about to explode and get started and really see what this is all about once these restrictions let up a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But as, as I've said, in the beginning, it was also kind of efficient. Yeah, um, because true, true. Normally, in, in, in normal times, you would say, okay, um, I'm going to visit this company and those uh, persons like in a month, we travel there. So you don't have to call right now. Yeah. But uh, when you join, when I've joined during COVID times, it was like, now we have two weeks and we meet everyone. And then it was way easier when I had the first requests, I needed some information, I wanted to get in touch again. It was way easier to send out the mail and say, okay, hi, we met uh, during the intro calls uh, in my my first and second weeks. Yeah. So in this regard, it was kind of efficient in the beginning to really get to know everyone uh, very quickly. As I've said, it's nice now to to meet the people <laughs> yeah. in person finally. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. Very good point. I could see why yeah. that would be beneficial as you're starting. You could really yeah. get a lot done yeah. in, a, in a much shorter yeah. period of time. Um, but uh, there's no substitute for what you're about to do as well. So when you're not working and you have some time off from the business development and the M&A side of the business, uh, what do you like to do in your free time? There's certainly a lot of things I would like to do, but um, <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> but most of the time I'm uh, spending time with my family and kids. Yeah. So they're uh, two, two and a half and four years old. Oh, so um, they keep you busy. They, they keep me busy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I get some time off for mountain biking or uh, I also ride a race bike, not, not competitively, but just for fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very glad my wife allows me to get some time off on the weekend, especially because she's taking care of a lot of the kids already. Yeah. But I think we both agree and it's, I do the same for her. So sure. it's important to get some time off to exercise and go out. Um, we're close to very beautiful nature here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, a four-year-old and a two and a half-year-old, they will keep you busy. They will, you know, you kind of have to constantly keep your eye on them. Are they 
Are they different uh, personality-wise, the same? Uh, do they resemble you, your wife? They are also very active. Yeah. <laughs> and this can uh, be stressful from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but it's also great to see, and we always have to get out uh, with them. Just staying at home doesn't work. And, yes, I um, agree. Get them outside, let them run it out, get them tired so they yeah. come in and they fall asleep much quicker. Yeah, that's true. Going out with uh, like the little, little bikes. Yeah. So the older one is riding an actual bicycle. Uh, the younger one, I don't know what's it called in English. It's basically a bike, but without without the pedals. So you you walk with it. Yeah, like um, a scooter. Yeah, like a scooter, but with a saddle. So, oh, okay. So that, that the younger one's driving that. So that's great. Uh, we can get around really quick and they love it. <laughs> And it's also some kind of exercise for me when you have to run behind them. <laughs> yes, yes. They will uh, certainly keep you active, um, which is the best part of, of having young kids that age, for sure. So we'll wrap up with this then. If I give you some time off where maybe you don't have to be responsible for the wife uh, or your two kids, and you're stuck on a deserted island by yourself, okay? And I say, Jonathan, you could bring with you one album, one book, and one movie. We'll start with the album. What album would you bring? Oh, this, this one's tough for me. What album would I bring? Yeah, or a musical uh, artist. But if you have an album, that's even better. Yeah, so uh, in the times of Spotify, it's very hard to tell about albums. I just turned on and it magically... A place music I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll yeah. all right. We'll we'll uh, it, compromise here. We'll go with the with a music artist, whether it's a group or or an individual artist. Um, what would you? Which one would you bring with you? Huh. This this one's really tough. I'm um honestly, uh, it's hard to tell for me. I'm not very artist or or fixated on a cer certain thing. I I definitely listen to a lot of stuff. So I. I um, will ditch the question and say I will just bring an internet connection and my Spotify account. <laughs> uh, I can't accept that. That's not acceptable in this game. <laughs> All right. How about this? Pick a song. If a song that makes you happy, if you're on a desert island, what would it be? Also tough. Okay. I'll, I'll take an artist. Um, I don't know if, the, if you know them. They're called Kurangabin. No, I don't know them. It's really relaxed music. Yeah. Kind of relaxed indie music, I would say. I'm intrigued. I'm going to have to check this out. Karangabin? Actually, I think G? I may have heard of them. Okay. No, yeah. but now I'm now my interest is really peaked. All right, we'll move on from the music then. How about a yeah. book? What <laughs> book would you bring with you? It's not that it's like my favorite book, but um, it's just what I'm reading at the moment is from Nassim Taleb. So he wrote The Black Swan. Mm -hmm. I, I would bring this book. Okay. And then, so find, it's just what I'm reading at the moment. So. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You don't want to leave and not finish the book you're reading. So you got to bring that's that true. with you. Uh, and then, how about a movie? If you could entertain yourself with one movie, what would that be? With one movie, huh. this is also tough. Uh, it has been some time um, since I actually watched a proper movie. <laughs> only watching, only watching series. Yeah, or kids. <laughs> it just movies. fits better with. Yeah, <laughs> or kids' movies. Yeah, <laughs> no, it just fits better better with the parent schedule. When you brought the kids to bed and you don't have time left, you just uh, watch one or two episodes of a series. Yeah. Hmm. Which one would I take? 
ah, you're overthinking it. What's the first one that makes you laugh or makes you smile or makes you want to run through somebody <laughs> or chop down a tree <laughs> to make a boat so you can sail off the deserted island? Okay. Okay. Now I now I know what I want. Uh, which movie I wanted to uh, I want to take because okay. I didn't manage to watch it. I loved the first part. I definitely want to watch the second part, although it came out a couple of years ago. So I decide for Sicario two. <laughs> okay. Again, you caught me by surprise with that one. Uh, yeah, the, the first Sicario is great. Second one is is good too. Yeah, I like it. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like the first one. I never saw the second one though. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't mean to put you through so much agony with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. This is this is probably most. Uh, uh, it, this should be easy questions, right? <laughs> I know, but this is why we do it because I like catching people a little off guard, and it, and it gives a different perspective on the people that we talk to. So, well, listen, Jonathan, thank you very much for doing this today. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I wish you the best of luck as you continue on in your role, and uh, hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure.